My name is Bianca. For those of you that don't know me, I'm on staff here at Hope Midtown. Thank you for being here with us today. So if you were with us last week, you know we started a new series called Whole Transformations, and we're going to be focusing on the head, the heart, and the hands. Last week, Pastor Drew talked about the head. This week, we are looking at the heart, and next week will be the hands. So um, if we can look at that verse that Karin just read for us, starting in verse 30, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And as I was preparing for this message, I was thinking, okay, Drew just talked about the head. We're going to be looking at the heart this week. How are those things different? And when Drew was talking about the head, he was talking about our ability to recognize truth and the weight that truth holds. He also talked about our ability to reason. And so to me, that says we are loving God with those more logical parts of our being. And when I think about the heart and when I'm reading scripture and it's talking about the heart, typically it doesn't look like it's literally talking about the organ inside our chest that pumps blood everywhere. That's typically not what I'm getting when I read about the heart in scripture. So I was thinking, okay, I usually think that's talking about my feelings or my emotions. And so I wanted to get a fuller picture of that. So I looked back at the Greek translation of it. I am not a Greek scholar by any means, but I do have some training in the biblical Greek. So um, it led me to the word cardia, which is most often associated with figuratively talking about feelings and emotions. And it's also the word that is used in the English term brokenhearted. And so... When you think of the word brokenhearted, you know that is something that you feel deep within your being. It's a deep level at your core. And so when we're talking about having a transformation of the heart, we are talking about having a transformation at that really core level of ourselves. And when we think about that, it can be thinking about transforming our feelings, our emotions, even parts of our identity. And that can be kind of a scary thought, right? Thinking about having to transform our identity. The word transformation to me always felt kind of like a very heavy or a daunting word just because change is never comfortable. I mean, no one really likes change. So I wanted to break it down into three pieces that hopefully will make the term transformation a little less scary for us. So... First, though, I want to look at what a transformed heart looks like for us. Like, what are we trying to get to? So, a transformed heart is someone who is confident in their identity in Christ. Someone who is emotionally aware, accepting of their emotions and others. And what I mean by that is, when we're emotionally aware, when we have a transformed heart in Christ we are able to accept all of our emotions. And we know that God created every single one of our emotions. He gave those to us. Some of them might be more difficult to process or to feel. They might be uncomfortable, but they are all there for a reason. None of them are bad. They just might be harder to deal with. And when we are emotionally competent and aware, we can process those with God and we can allow others to sit in their emotions as well and not push them away. The next is that we see the redeemed instead of the broken. And I'm not talking about people as a whole because we are called to see everybody. But I'm talking about when we do have those broken pieces of ourselves, that we are able to give those over to God for him to redeem. He doesn't want them staying broken. He doesn't want us staying in our heart. He wants to turn those into beautiful things. So that is the next one. 
And we are also called to be in community with Christ and with his people. Um, called to be staying in prayer with him and just coming alongside one another. We are not called to do this life on our own. We are called to be in it together. And that last piece is fully loved and loving. So we are called to embrace our full lovability and to show that, extend it to others in our lives as well so that they can experience the love of Christ. So I think in that verse that we um, read earlier, it says that loving your neighbor as yourself is the second greatest commandment. I think that comes after talking about loving God because you have to be able to love God, allow him to love you so that you can love yourself. And once you love yourself in Christ's love, you are able to then extend that to your neighbor. So I think that is a very important reason why they are in that order in scripture. So like I said, we are going to break down the word transformation into three different pieces. And the first of that is going to be that transformation is challenging. So I know I said I was going to break it down to make it a little less scary, and I started off with challenging, so don't get too scared yet. I know. We just have to get through the hard one first, guys. The next two are much easier, trust me. So when we think about transformation being challenging, I was thinking I probably don't need to explain that to everyone in this room because I'm sure you all have been through a challenge. You have been alive longer than five minutes, so you know, you know that they're not easy, especially in the initial stages of it, but... When we are wrapped in Christ's love, those transformations can get easier because we are able to get to that redeemed place of it. We are able to get beauty from ashes. It doesn't have to stay in that challenging place. And what is really hard about having a transformation of the heart is that, like I said, our heart is those core levels of ourselves, those things that are deep within us, and they are part of our identity. And our identity is what we see ourselves as. A lot of us tend to hold our identity in things like our jobs or our family or maybe our hobbies or different skills that we have. And those things are all good. It's totally fine to have those as part of your lives, but that's all that they are is parts of our lives. They are not our whole being. If you're a lawyer, that's great, but you are not just a lawyer. We are called to be creations in God, and that's all we need to be in order to be fully loved by him and valued by him. And thinking about this always kind of made it really hard for me when I heard sermons on identity or just people talking about having to put your whole identity in Christ because everyone around me, I always felt like, was so good at saying, yes, I put my identity in my job or in my family or in this, but I know I need to shift it to Christ. And I was always like, I also know I need to shift my identity to Christ, but I do not identify with my job or my family or my hobbies. I have a lot of different interests, and they shift a lot, so I never felt like that was a consistent thing for me. So I always really struggled to be like, I know I'm not fully there with my identity in Christ, but I can't even tell you where I'm currently holding it, so I don't know how to change it. And it wasn't until I was in my mid-20s, I was doing a book study with some women from here, and the book was called The Gift of Being Yourself. This book was largely about finding your identity in Christ, but it was also about knowing yourself better so you can know God better. And I was reading through one of the chapters talking about identity, and I just remember praying and sitting with God and going, I know I am not fully open with you. I am not fully open with myself most of the time. And I know my identity is not completely in you, but I want it to be, but I have no idea where to start because I can't figure out where I hold my identity. 
And as I sat with God in that thought, I very clearly heard him ask me, what is it that is keeping you from feeling loved? And as I thought about that, I realized that I had been holding my identity in the trauma that I experienced growing up. And I hadn't realized that. Because every single time somebody would tell me that they loved me or that I was loved, I had a very hard time believing them. I always thought, well, they think they love me, but they don't actually know me. And if they did know me, they would not love me. So I didn't realize that I had been holding my identity in that trauma and in my survival for so long. And that was why I was holding people at a distance. I was holding myself at a distance. I was holding God at a distance because I didn't want to look at that. And when we hold our identity in these other things, we do it a lot of times so that we can hold our true identity in Christ at a distance or just some other pieces of ourselves that we don't want to look at. We put a different identity over us so that it can feel like a protector for us. After I was with God sitting in that space of realization, I just sat there and cried and just said, okay, I realize that I am holding my identity in this very dark place and I don't want to stay there anymore. And I don't want to keep this being the forefront of who I see myself as. As I sat there, God was like, great news, I don't either. So your story does not end there. You are no longer in those spaces. You are no longer in that dark space. Physically, I was not in that unsafe space anymore. But I was still holding on to it in my head. And God was telling me, I brought you out of that. I want you to fully embrace that you are out of that as well. So that was my first step in really taking on that identity of Christ, just recognizing what I was holding my identity in. And it can be hard to recognize what it is, but once you do, you can shift that image over to what God is creating you to be. And you might be thinking, okay, well, you had to give up something crappy in order to take on your identity in Christ, but I've got a pretty cool title, and I'm not ready to give that up yet, so it's going to be a little bit harder for me. The thing about that, though, is whether it's a positive or a negative thing that you're holding your identity in, if you're holding your identity as that, you've probably been holding on to it really, really tightly and probably been holding on to it for a really long time. So whether it's positive or negative, it's going to be a hard experience to change your identity to fully being in the identity of Christ. But if we look at Philippians 4 through 6, it says, don't, did I say 4 through 6? Four, six through seven. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. What I love about that verse is that it tells us that we don't need to worry. If we're scared about having that shift in at the very core of who we are, we don't have to be scared. We can share that with God. And his peace is greater than our anxiety and greater than what scares us about that change in our life. And it might still feel a little scary, but I just really encourage you to lean into that peace. That is the safest place we can be when we are having these challenges or just these things that are bringing us anxiety. That peace is going to be what carries us through. So that brings us to my next point of what transformation is. Transformation is an ongoing process. 
It is not a one-shot deal. And I, for one, am really glad it is not a one-shot deal because can you imagine if it was? I mean, we're talking about like those really core things. If we had to change everything all in like one moment, that would be so overwhelming and that would not be loving. I mean, we serve a loving God and he is not going to do any fast-forward, crazy pressure cooker stuff on us. And the thing is, when I think about that, though, I think a lot of us are probably like, okay, but I do like when things go fast. Like, I'm a New Yorker. I got things to do, and I'm going to get them done. I get it. Me too. But we have to remember that God's timing is not the same as our timing. And although that can feel frustrating at first because maybe you just want that instant healing, you instantly want to be where you're supposed to be in your faith. But God's a lot more patient than us, thankfully. And... Sometimes when we are thinking about our phase, we think that we have to get things done in a quick period. We put these deadlines on ourselves. God does not do that to us. If you look at Psalm 118, it repeats the phrase, his steadfast love endures forever five times. And that phrase is throughout other places in scripture as well. And it doesn't say it's going to endure for two weeks. It doesn't say it's enduring for two months. It doesn't say it's going to endure for two years. It's forever. So God is going to stick with us, endure with us, as long as we allow him. One of my favorite illustrations from my own life is that when I was 11, I had to have a surgery to have my appendix removed. And after my surgery, I was not allowed to walk for like two days, I think. And when you're 11, you're pretty good at walking at this point. So it felt really weird to not be able to walk for two days. And I remember the first day I was allowed to walk, I only was allowed to take like two steps. I didn't even leave my hospital room. But I had a team of nurses around me that every time I took a step, they were cheering me on. And I was like, I took three steps. Why are you cheering? What are you doing? But they were just like, no, that's great. You're doing so good. I had wanted to be back to fully walking at this point, but they knew that I could only do three steps and that was where I needed to be. That's the same way God is with us. Sometimes we want to be so much further in our faith journey and we compare ourselves to others, but God's not comparing us to anyone except ourselves. He knows that we all have a unique journey. He created each one of us. And every time we give a new piece of ourselves to him and we take a new step in faith, he is there supporting and cheering us and loving us. And this brings me to my next point, is that transformation is an invitation God's not someone who's going to force things on us. He lets us take those steps at our own pace, whatever we're going to allow him to do with our lives. But he's not going to force us to do anything. So if you've been to one of our hope retreats before, you know that Drew typically says all of the activities planned are invitational, not expectational, or it's something very similar to that. If I'm wrong, don't tell him. So, um, But what he means by that is that you don't have to do any of these things. Like They're all here for you to do. But, you know, pick which ones are going to work for you. And God created us knowing that we don't like being forced to do things. He created us with that aversion. He knew it. So he is not going to force us to do anything. He is a very invitational God. And we are to accept those invitations if we want those different things happening from him. If we want to experience his transformational love, have a transformed heart, we have to accept his invitation for it. I held God at a arm's length for a very long time, and God respected that. Every time I would give him a piece, he would just be ready to embrace me. But there were those parts that I held my arm up, and I was like, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. And he was like, okay, I'll be right here for you. 
The second I dropped my arm, God just fully embraced me and was ready to take me to that next step of my faith. And he is ready to do that with you as well. So transformation can be really hard, but if we just remember that there is a peace that comes when we relinquish those things to God. We don't have to stay in those broken pieces. We can get to a transformed heart, and it can be brought into a beautiful space. We can be made beautiful in Christ. And all we have to do is embrace that identity that we are created images of Christ. That is all we are called to be. We are not called to be anything extra than that. That's all we have to do to be fully loved and embrace our lovability.